This is Lou Blazer, and you're listening to Second Breaks, a show about turning our middle years into our best years. I saw a funny quote on Instagram the other day. It said, One minute you're young and having fun, and the next, you're turning down the stereo in your car to see better. Did midlife sneak up on you? Were you like cruising down the highway of life and then one day you catch yourself in the rearview mirror and suddenly go, whoa, wait a second, I am in midlife? It's kind of ridiculous for me to admit that midlife kind of caught me flat-footed. Hello, who gets caught by surprise by something that's been happening every day for a while. It's not like I was 30 years old and then one day woke up and I was 50. Although, you know, that's kind of how it felt for me. The good thing was that when I realized that I was in fact in my middle years, I didn't get especially depressed or down on myself. Instead, I tried to do my characteristic squaring of my shoulders and said, okay, Lou, we're in midlife. Let's get to work. And by get to work, I meant, Lou, let's not make a big deal out of this, okay? Let's make sure that we're staying productive, we're staying independent and self-sufficient as we have always been. The thing that I didn't know at that point was that I was going into this armed with all kinds of preconceived notions about what being in midlife meant. These were ideas that I picked up through the years, from friends and family, from co-workers, from the media, from books, from just being alive. But hindsight is twenty twenty, as they say, and I didn't know this at the time, of course, and so it was baptism by fire in some respects. Over time, many of these long-held ideas proved to be misconceptions. Some were downright untrue, for me at least. One other thing that surprised me, something that I never thought would apply to me, I had hidden and unacknowledged fears about aging. (gasps) And worse, these hidden fears were actually coming out ever so subtly in my everyday language, my everyday words that I use. I would say things like, you look good for your age, or It's awesome your mom can still do XYZ, where XYZ is clearly something that quote-unquote younger folks do easily. And I didn't know any better until I started turning these rocks over and seeing what's really hiding underneath it all. And this deeper examination of how I feel about midlife and about what midlife really means for me started, I want to say, around three to four years ago, but really got going last year in 2020. In early 2020, I was reading a lot about midlife for my own purposes, and I started to, or I decided to incorporate midlife-related topics in my weekly newsletter had only been talking about career-related matters up to that point, and um, I figured 
I was researching and discovering all kinds of useful things relevant to midlifers. Why not share what I'm learning? The readers responded well to the shift in topics. I received loads of early quote-unquote validation that I'm talking about something that they too find relevant and important. And so by mid-2020, I decided to go all in and I rebranded the newsletter and called it Midlife Cues. The shift in topics that I covered here on the podcast followed in early 2021. And I have to say, that moved, that shift is one of those things that will go down on my list of things I am really happy that I did. Having conversations about midlife with other midlifers have been a huge education for me. It is the crash course on living a well-lived midlife that I needed to have. In the four years that I have been doing the Second Breaks podcast, this past season, season seven, has been the most helpful for me personally as I examined and reformed my own ideas about midlife, about my thoughts around aging, about who I want to be in this phase of my life. Now, one of the things that I did in season seven was ask all my guests two questions. One, what does the phrase celebrate midlife mean to them? And two, how different are they today from how they were in their 20s? And I want to say their answers, they were all insightful and inspiring, and they have been such gifts for me. Through all that work that I've been doing for myself, for my listeners, for my readers, there's one thing that I've realized. Our midlife isn't like our parents. And I would venture a prediction that our children's midlife won't be anything like ours either. And I know this sounds so obvious. And even as I say these words, I, you know, think, of course, no duh, Lou. But as obvious as this may be for many of us, we still carry preconceived notions, ideas that we have collected over the years about what midlife is supposed to be like or how we're supposed to be in midlife. With all the changes and developments in the world that have happened in the last couple of decades, some of our preconceived notions are passé and some are no longer applicable. So when I say that our midlife is going to feel and look different from our parents, some of it's because of generational differences, but some of it's because of technological and medical advances. I couldn't look to my parents nor my older sister's experiences as a blueprint for my own midlife. And what I discovered and formulated instead are some guiding principles for a well-lived midlife or as best as I could possibly make it, at least. And I want to share these guiding principles with you today. Guiding principle number one, redefine your terms and your boundaries. We have arrived. This is the time of our lives when we can, and finally, for some of us, own what we want live according to our values, and go after the things that bring us joy. Obviously, some of us have been lucky and have been doing this all our lives. Hooray! And I am waving my pom-poms for you and keep doing what you're doing. And if you feel like it, please 
be telling your midlife friends all about it so that they can also be inspired to do the same. But for some of us, that's not been our experience. We have been living on other people's terms and meeting their expectations most of our lives, doing their thing instead of our thing. We've been on a path someone else told us that we should be on. And so now is the time for us to say, hang on one second, I don't really want to be on this path anymore. Because my friends, honestly, if not now, when? And then some of us, of course, we were on a path that we chose for ourselves, but that was like so long ago. The issue is we no longer enjoy it. Maybe we changed our minds or we discovered something else that we want to do instead. I know this one very well because this is my story. So now is the time for us to say, what if I try on something else for size? Because again, if not now, when exactly? And what would be the worst case scenario, really, if we dipped our toes into a different pool and tried on a different swimsuit? One of my guests this year was Sean Fink. Sean is a coach who helps her clients through what she calls a journey towards wholeness. In episode 162, Sean talked about the sense of fragmentation that many midlifers feel when they arrive at this stage, something that she herself experienced. If I can be really honest, I really felt people only saw me as a mom. And all the time, though, I was much more. There was other parts to me, too, like I was a poet and, I, you know, just uh, things that I never really got to bring to the forefront. and. It was through that feeling of being fragmented that I I felt so unsettled. Um, Of course, you know, now it's a lot easier to bring all of you forward um, because that's just what the last year has kind of created an atmosphere of that. But I really felt like I needed to just be all of me. And that 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 who is Sean, right? She's not just a mom. She has all of these other things. And I think that in my clients, that's the same, the same thing has happened. They reach a point where they get to the, they're like, well, who, who am I in when I'm at work? Am I this sort of put the mask on or can I bring all of me to work? And will you accept me as I am? I work with a lot of highly sensitive women, women who, who might have been called too much um, in their lives and they feel like they're not enough because they're too much. And I've even had clients who felt like they couldn't be themselves in their own homes because of their partners. And they've had to really downplay the things that they love and, and their religious beliefs. And, you know, what you believe in your spiritual path can make you feel disconnected where, you know, you might be feeling one way, but then on the outside, completely living a different life. Many of us get to our age and realize that we've built a life that's not entirely all-encompassing of the person that we are. Or maybe we've outgrown what we have worked so hard to build. Now in midlife, we have a golden opportunity to reconcile this and to align the person others see with the person we see ourselves to be. Guiding principle number two, shine the light on any lurking fears about aging. I was unaware that I harbored any fears about aging until I got into my 50s and got curious about why I did or didn't do certain things 
or said certain words. When I asked my good friend, do I look old in this picture? What was I really asking? What's behind the question? When every article that talks about brain health or cognitive decline pulls me to read it and to save it in my overcrowded Evernote folder, what's fueling the almost maniacal obsession to those types of information? When I decided to stop coloring my hair and there was this tiny voice in my head that kept asking, are you sure? What was I really worried about? I think that there are some fears that are legit, and being aware of them can help us modify our behaviors so that we can do something about whatever it is that we're afraid of. For example, my fear of cognitive decline and losing my independence as a result underpins many of my habits. It is the reason why I prioritize sleep over everything. It's why I practice meditation, why I make sure that I'm always learning something new, and why I've been so diligent about my digital second brain. But some fears may be unfounded or misplaced. I think it's worth examining those too so that we can avoid having those kinds of fears drive the bus. One question that I found really helpful is, who do I want to be in this situation? And almost always, the answer that I come up with is the one without my fears in the driver's seat. Guiding principle number three, there are no midlife police. You know, forget about what so-and-so said about how someone of a certain age should sound or look or behave or act. In midlife, just as in every other phase of our life, you do you is an awesome principle to follow. Not to mention, many of those so-called standards are dated. There was this popular meme that went around a few months ago. Uh, the meme showed Rue McClanahan portraying the character Blanche Devereaux from The Golden Girls. And she was side by side with a very toned J-Lo and J-Lo was uh, it was taken from uh, J-Lo's performance during the 2020 Super Bowl halftime and I believe J-Lo was at least 50 when she performed at that particular Super Bowl halftime it was funny because like the meme was focusing more like on their appearance like how times have changed in terms of how like what we expect of someone who's a 50 year old back then in the golden years time in the 80s versus now but there's one thing that we must remember Rue McLennan just like her character Blanche Devereaux owned her sexuality she kept things sexy and sassy and she never let age define her just like J-Lo today how that shows up today versus 35 years ago may look different but the spirit remains the same I think Gail Gensler, my guest back in episode 163, said it best. My new mantra now that I've turned 60 in January is 60 so what? I could care. I don't care what's going on around me. It's not about what's going on around me. This is my journey. And as far as I know, I get one journey. Amen to that. Guiding principle number four, shoot for joyful. Not graceful, definitely not untie, not positive, not even successful. 
You know, when you start really paying attention to the marketing messages used to target midlifers and the old generation, you're going to notice a few catchy phrases bandied about. Aging gracefully, positive aging, anti-aging, pro-aging, successful aging. These are some of the most common ones. Personally, I developed an aversion to the phrase anti-aging fairly quickly. I say, why be anti about something that happens naturally? I also hear the underlying ageism and fear of aging sentiments in that phrase, so I don't use it. Aging gracefully was a phrase that I used to be okay with until I examined the thoughts and images that come to my mind whenever I use the phrase. I noticed that it's mostly only used to describe women, and it's got a whiff of patriarchy, so I stopped using it too. Now, I've been pro-aging for a while, it goes without saying, given my anti-aging stance. Phrases like successful aging and positive aging were sort of interesting for me. I've been on the fence about these phrases for a while. What do these phrases really mean? And what, what is it like to be positively aging? And what is it like to be successfully aging? Aren't we, by virtue of being alive, <laughs> positively and successfully aging by default? Are they simply marketing phrases crafted by creative geniuses hired by companies intent on getting their hands into our pocketbooks? Ultimately, I realized that all these phrases signal a standard, usually defined by a culture and a society that's based on patriarchal values. What I found most helpful and what I am most attracted to are ideas about living joyfully in our middle life years and beyond. Not happy, but joyful. Joy and happiness are both wonderful feelings to experience. While the dictionary might tag these words as synonyms, they are actually quite different. I'm going to read one explanation by lifestyle mentor Rachel Fernley on psychologies. Joy is more consistent and is cultivated internally. It comes when you make peace with who you are, why you are, and how you are. Whereas happiness tends to be externally triggered and is based on other people, things, places, thoughts, and events. I like that. Joy comes from within. It is a practice and a behavior. Joy endures hardships and trials and connects with meaning and purpose. To live joyfully in our middle years and beyond, I think is the perfect goal, if I can use that word. Guiding principle number five, take care of yourself mentally, physically, emotionally. Look, the reality is many of the things that we did easily and naturally in our 30s just won't be the same anymore. I used to be able to party all night and then bounce right back in the morning after a couple of hours sleep and a good shower. That doesn't happen anymore. 30s may be the new 20s, but 9 p.m. is the new midnight, as some unknown clever person said in the interwebs. To expect our body to behave the same way that it did in our 30s is maybe a tad unrealistic and a surefire way to feel frustrated and quote-unquote feel old, whatever that might mean to you. 
some of the hormones that were keeping things in balance before are leaving for retirement. Estrogen, testosterone, growth hormones, melatonin, to name a few. So we have to manually and deliberately keep things in balance for ourselves because we can't rely on the internal automatic things in our bodies to do them anymore. Stress is a part of life. At any age, we have to face difficult situations and overcome obstacles. Our stressed out brains usually sound an alarm that releases potentially harmful hormones such as cortisol and adrenaline. Ideally, the brain turns down the alarm when stress hormones get too high. Unfortunately, our body's natural defenses against stress gradually break down with age as well. And so we have to be the ones to bring down our stress level. We have to be the ones to be aware of how stressed we are feeling and to have stress relief techniques that work for us that we can like tap into anytime that we're feeling stressed out. Some medical issues come to be associated with aging because their onset typically happen in midlife and onwards. Uh, it's like diabetes, hypertension, obesity, cognitive decline, to name a few. My guest in episode 169, age management physician Dr. Mickey Barber, says it's never too early and it's never too late to start taking care of ourselves better. There are things that wear out, like I have a new shoulder. I had my shoulder replaced in November. And so the more active we are, there are going to be parts that, you know, might need some work. But if you can stay healthy, avoid medications and really take care of yourself, I think the likelihood that you're going to be successful in the aging process is much better. I mean, even if you're 70 and you maybe haven't been doing everything in a healthy manner or the right way, it's still not too late. On the other side of that coin, if you're 30, great, let's get started now. I mean, you'll be so ahead of the game. So I don't think that there is a right or wrong time to get started. In my teens, I thought people in their 50s and 60s must have achieved all that they wanted to achieve in life, and that it's cruising time for them from that point onwards. Oh boy, that idea was so starkly different from my own experience. It may be true that we may be quote-unquote over the hill by the time we get to midlife, but who's to say that the other side of that hill isn't as fun and as adventurous as the climb? Besides, we're probably getting ready to jump on a new hill altogether. Sarah Smeaton, my guest back in episode 164, was so on point. It is the only time that we are going to have the same amount of experience behind us as we have possibility in front of us. You know, when you're 20, you have nothing but possibility. And, you know, maybe when you're 80, you have mostly experience behind you. So it's this very unique time of life when we can use all the things that we've been and built and and learned and put them towards building something new for ourselves in the second half. So I, I think that is the most powerful time of life there could be. 
If you're still here, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you found it useful and I hope that you found some ideas for your own midlife from my musings. Now, if you'd like to read the full written version of this episode, please head on over to secondbreaks.com. The show notes will also contain all the links to the past episodes that I mentioned, as well as links to other source materials as well. I just want to quickly mention that this podcast is made possible by Midlife Cues, a weekly publication for midlifers who want to amp up their midlife. Each Sunday issue covers a specific topic of relevance to us folks who self-identify as a midlifer, uh, topics like health and well-being, pivots and reinventions, unretirement, redefining aging, and getting bolder in our midlife. So you can check it out and uh, give it a spin for free. Head on over to midlifecues.com to subscribe. This marks the end of Season 7, and I want to thank again my guests this year who have helped us explore the midlife journey from different angles. The podcast is going on its regular holiday break now, and we will be back for Season 8 in February 2022. I may be back a couple of times in between for some in between episodes. I'm not sure, so I don't want to promise it, but I will be back for sure for another season in February 2022. Goodness, we're talking about 2022. Anyway, of course, the best way to not miss that return, and I hope you will return, is by subscribing to the podcast, which I hope you will take the time to do just now. Okie dokie, my dear listener friend, here's to a joyous holiday season. Have a fantastic new year. I will see you in 2022. Until then, stay safe, stay sane. And you know what I always say, keep on making your dent, my friend. Cool beans.